Welcome back, Theo 102. Welcome back, Theo 102. Oh, it's so great to hear everyone here in this yes. full auditorium, which is full of the hearts and souls and minds of young people. And the bodies of three TAs. Thank you. And the you. bodies of three TAs. The few, the proud, the brave. Hey, we're going to continue <laughs> talking about the forgiveness of sins today. Yes, that's something that we could talk about. Well, Christians probably need to always be talking and thinking about mm. that. And we're going to do that some more today. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Who will be talking about it and in what format will they be talking about it? It's a surprise. Let's leave that to mystery. I mean, you'll find out soon enough. That's exactly right. Enjoy. Hey, Theo 102. Hello. What a strange view. Welcome to the gallery view here of our virtual panel for this week. We're back with Pastor Dominic. Pastor Dom, hi. Hi. <laughs> You're in the office at your church there. How's, how's life as a pastor these days? It's quiet and virtual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just me it's just me and my uh golden doodle that's in here you have a dog oh, so. wait we gotta <laughs> see that dog. the dog we, we, you want to see the dog okay yep, okay come here yep, come here there we go oh, oh, so, <laughs> so she's my she's my comfort animal oh, this, she's in this season we're gonna all come out of this with comfort we all need a comfort animal <laughs> <laughs> wild dog in here too but well speaking of wild dogs um so you know our church is like right in the heart of beaverton right by 217 and the other day um i'm here studying and two coyotes just kind of hang oh. out outside my window so this is like apocalypse that's a man that's a <laughs> that's that's your is it is it a Christian thing to have a spirit animal? Would you? Would you say <laughs> sure. Why? If, if if that's true, then mine would be a golden doodle or a llama, or a coyote, which is now made known to you yeah. um, in the parking lot. Um, we're <laughs> we're so happy to, to meet with you this way, and we're just going to do a kind of a traditional panel. Um, this is not debatey, although I think we I think Dr. Payne and I have some hard questions for you based on the lecture. Your lecture. Um, was so good, but I felt like I was left with also like unanswered questions that I want to ask on my own behalf, but also on behalf of students who might have, you know, might be thinking about forgiveness really as a serious thing for the very first time. And so if you're okay with it, Dom, we're just going to go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go for it. Let me start off with one right away that I just thought, okay, this is something like we would just have to know. And, I, and I'm not even sure like what the right answer to this is. I mean, this is just, you talked about forgiveness, but one thing that I didn't hear was like the answer to this question. Has God, are we as Christians, are Christians supposed to believe that God has kind of like somehow through Jesus, whether it was at the exact moment of the crucifixion or whether it was just like through God's existence or what, are we supposed to think that God has already forgiven all of us or that somehow that forgiveness took place at a particular time, A, and then B, do we have to like ask for it or is it just like... Mm. Is it already given to us, but then we also have to ask for it too? Or is it kind of like already given to us, but it would be nice for us to ask for it? Or like, it's what God wants, but it's not necessary for us to be forgiven by God. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I kind of think it's a mixture, honestly, because in, in scripture, we do see that at the cross, there was a forgiveness of sin that took place. The book of Romans talks about this a ton. Um, but then you also have that verse in First John where it says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then you go to Revelation, you know, a couple of books later, and it says he was the, lame, the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. So it's this fascinating mixture of God 
forgiving us through his son at the moment of crucifixion that in some sense not only took place in time but transcends time before the foundations of the earth but there's also a responsibility that we play as well of receiving that gift of forgiveness and embracing what what jesus has done for us i had a question related to that um for you as a pastor because i know that pastors wrestle with this question um, in ways that maybe people who aren't leading churches don't. And so I wanted to know, you know, without sharing specifics that you shouldn't share, I, I want to know, like, what are tough cases of forgiveness that you've encountered? I, I really appreciated the beginning illustration in your lecture about, you know, a car being keyed, which was, you know, I, I don't want my car keyed, but um, I can imagine that there are like really big, mm. profound kinds of um, sins against people that yeah. you have, have managed. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like as a pastor? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the world um, I live in and anyone who's in ministry lives in. I think anyone who is in Christian leadership, I, I know you guys could share stories here too. Um, and it's honestly like the most difficult part of the job is hearing the stories, but also the most redemptive as well when you when you see how God can heal. So one, one example would be without using names, uh, but there was a couple who was a part of our church when we had church, um, <laughs> that's like a year ago, um, and uh, they, they got a divorce and um, her husband wasn't saved and he was uh, really wrestling through a number of things. And there were, there were things that led up to the divorce, things that he had done uh, that she had a very, very hard time forgiving, um, including, you know, going out on her and just a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, addictions in his own life. And uh, anyway, they, long story short, got divorced. And he was so broken by this um, that he decided he was going to take his own life. And um, that night, he had a gun and uh, held it up to his head and was about to pull the trigger and uh, just felt this kind of voice spirit i think speaking to him saying don't but he pulled the trigger anyway and the gun didn't go off and at that point it just something in him broke he fell down on his face and just started weeping and sobbing and for the first time in his life like actually ask god for forgiveness um, very specifically for what he had done i think that's a big part of forgiveness it's not just like bland blanket statements like forgive me of my sin but it's like being real with god and uh, so he did that and he became a christian at that moment and he ended up telling his ex-wife about it and uh, they started talking um he asked her for forgiveness she forgave him um, they then started dating again and ended up uh, getting remarried. And their first Sunday back at church after this um, was our baptism Sunday. So once a month we do baptisms and um, they were the first ones there and then the water um, getting baptized together, newly remarried and celebrating forgiveness. So that would be like one example of like uh, a couple who, really went through stuff and hurt you know was deeply hurt um, by the actions of the other especially what he had done and yet um you know there's that verse i think in galatians it says love covers a multitude of sin 
And so we saw that happen. And then to, just to see the redemption of that, the beauty of that at that moment of uh, them being baptized together. It's one of the most beautiful things. Like they were just <laughs> around the room, just tears, those who knew their story. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like um, in ministry, Christian leadership, we hear horrific things, painful things, and we walk with people through those stories. Um, but then we also see the beauty of God's grace and what he can do in lives that are really hurt and broken and how his grace can heal. It's mm. a beautiful story, especially to have an ending like that, which both, I mean, it, it, at the same time that it inspires me and that I feel just like so moved by a story like that, I also feel like this pain, like this pit in my stomach. Yeah for when that doesn't happen, right? Like right. for when, yeah. I, I guess I just, I, and maybe I can just use myself as an example, like when I've had to try to like forgive somebody, let's say. Mm. I, I do that thing that I think as Christians we're sort of told to do or supposed to do, like have like a special prayer moment, you know, say the prayer for the forgiveness, you know, when, it, when, the, when the anger comes up again, you know, let it come up again. And I feel like so many times though, I'm just emotionally, it's just vacant. Like I'm yeah, just, it's totally. like, it just keeps coming back and back and back and back again. And it's like, I almost feel like I'm playing like some kind of game just in my own mind. Not that that person has actually literally been forgiven by me or that I can just flare up and I can just become angry all over again as though the thing never even happened, which, mm -hmm. you know, in a case um, with the couple that you talked about to have something that almost sounds kind of like a miracle, you know, like the gun doesn't mm -hmm. go off and, 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 you know, and to have a reconciliation at that level sounds almost miraculous, but mm. I don't know, like what, what kind of advice would you give to those of us who are like living a hard situation, maybe not as hard as that, but where there's no miracle forthcoming. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, we're just like um, battling. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I use that quote uh, by Corey Ten Boom, which I think is one of the most beautiful poignant quotes when it comes to forgiveness and the reality of the struggle, the agony of forgiveness. Remember she talked about how uh, she, there's a church and th that church has a steeple and there's a bell. And if you're pulling on that rope, the bell's going to ring. Um, the moment you let go of the rope, the bell's going to keep ringing. There's some momentum there, uh, but eventually you give it enough time and that ringing will stop. And she uses that in terms of forgiveness because she obviously had to walk through her own forgiveness uh, story, uh, having gone through the Holocaust and seeing horrific things in concentration camps and her herself, you know, being a victim of many of the atrocities that were committed. Um, but, but she describes how when you forgive, the pain's still going to be there. It's not like, oh, I forgive you and everything's wonderful. Like that story, you know, where that couple got together and we, they, they're baptized and there's tears. It was beautiful. But I guarantee you there's still tears. I guarantee there's still arguments. I guarantee there's still pain and there's still trauma and things that they're working through. So forgiveness never is just like this one-off instantaneous moment. Now, maybe it could be in some stories, but by far the vast majority of forgiveness in my own life as well, it's that choosing to let go of the bell and dealing with the ringing that's still in my soul, the ringing of bitterness, the ringing of unforgiveness, the ringing of, ah, of hurt, or how could this person do that to me? Um, but in time, I do think there can be some healing um, that, that can happen. It's like gradually, uh, imperceptibly, even um, the, that ringing of, of anger or, or grief or bitterness can begin to subside. Mm. I, have, I have one more question, a follow-up question about that, which is um, for the person who has been wronged, 
um, I think you, you did a great job of explaining the healing power of, of forgiveness in, in your own soul. And I know there's a lot of conversation um, in just the public square about the role of um, who says who needs to forgive. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of um, scenarios wherein there might be abuse and um, in some, some um, Christian settings wherein people have put a lot of burden on, on the abused person to, mm-hmm. to forgive. Um, can you talk a little bit from a pastoral perspective? Who, who explains who needs to forgive and, and how does that, um, how can the church, how can Christians protect the yeah. abused um, and also promote forgiveness? Oh my goodness. That's such an important question. Um, so probably right now, my favorite book on forgiveness is this one called The Art of Forgiving um, by, by Lewis Smedes. And the subtitles when you need to forgive and you don't know how. Um, highly recommended. It's a fairly easy read, but it goes into some of these things. Um, when it when it comes to those issues, and like we see this happen constantly, and here at the church, you know, we'll hear stories and walk with people through those times of, of abuse. Um, I think when someone is experiencing abuse, the first priority is not forgiving the abuser. The first priority is getting to a safe space. Um, so getting out of that situation that they're in. And oh, I've, I've heard um, pastors even, well, well-meaning people sometimes will say, oh, you got, you got to forgive them. And they put, like you say, all this uh, pressure on the person who's being abused. And I, I think that's wrong. I think they need to be in a safe space. I think they need to be protected. Um, and it's only then when they're physically safe um, that then the, the work of forgiveness emotionally and spiritually can begin to happen. So I, I think the work of forgiveness begins with a radical honesty. And honesty means that we look evil in the face and we call it what it is. Um, so in, in this book, Lewis, he has this great quote where he says, when we forgive evil, we do not excuse it. We do not tolerate it. We do not smother it. We, we look it fully in the face. We call it what it is. We let its horror shock and stun and enrage us. And only then do we forgive? So forgiveness is not sugarcoating the situation um, or pretending that what they did wasn't horrific because it was. What they did was evil. It was wrong. It was sinful. And we need to be very honest about that. And um, I'd say for any student who's like watching this and who is in a dangerous situation to like get help as soon as possible. And the forgiveness stuff, that can come later. But the priority right now is be safe. Do you think, Pastor Dominic, there's any kind of situation like that or any other situation, just horrible situation for which forgiveness uh, in this lifetime is not possible? Mm-hmm. Or is forgiveness something that's just like, no matter what, there's always going to be some, some glint of hope there, even if it's far out in the future in this life? Yeah, yeah. And there's that verse in Romans where it says, if it's possible, live at peace with all people. And that, that little line, if it's possible, also suggests that sometimes it's not. And uh, sometimes reconciliation with the one who wronged us, it, A, may not be healthy for us in, in the sense of that relationship may never be mended. We never may see that person again. We may never be friends with that person again. Um, but there, there can be a point in our own soul where sure, we still feel deeply hurt about that and that may last years 
may last a lifetime, but there can come a place, I, I believe, um, where we can choose, like Corey Tenboom talked about, to let go of the bell, where we can choose, and it could be a daily thing. In fact, I would argue forgiveness is a daily, if not an hourly thing, um, where we're giving it back to God, giving it back to God, giving it back to God. That verse in First Peter, cast your care on him because he cares for you. And uh, that, that phrase, cast your care, uh, in the original language means like to, to roll a weight on. And the implication is sometimes that burden, that, that weight comes back down the hill um, and we have to keep giving it to God. So I think, I think forgiveness is a choice. I think sometimes though, it is something that is going to be lifetime. And we have to differentiate too between forgiveness and reconciliation. I think there's a big difference. So I think in many cases, reconciliation is not possible, nor is it ideal. Uh, because they're a bad person, they're a dangerous person, whatever. Um, but in our heart, choosing to give it to God, choosing not to let it poison us, I think that's a different conversation. Mm. One thing I was thinking about when you were talking and when I was listening to your lecture is how um, how we get to practice forgiveness in relationship with other human beings. Mm. And I'm thinking about our students um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about actually my own life. Um, getting married was one of those moments that I didn't realize it at the time, but it was going to be sanctifying as the scriptures say, because I was going to, you know, I, I've been married for um, almost 19 years now. And that's 19 years of there's a lot of joy, but then there's also, you know, you hurt each other. And I think mm -hmm. anybody who's honest about a marriage would, you know, say that. So I'm thinking about our students who, have, may have been in um, a great roommate situation and are no longer there, but maybe they were in a terrible roommate situation and they're gone from that. Maybe they've moved back home. Maybe they're living somewhere else. Um, and there's just, they're going to be experiencing a lot of chances to practice forgiveness. So right. let's bracket out like the, the abuse question, because I think that that, right. like, I appreciate what you're saying that that is a different, um, that's kind of like a special case that requires a different kind of, of reasoning and attention than um, just your, your garden variety, irritating each other, doing each other wrong. Um, and it, can you talk a little bit about for our students, how they can cultivate forgiveness in their own lives and their everyday mm -hmm. life, maybe how they can create a little culture of forgiveness wherever mm -hmm. they're holed up right now. I love I love that question because um, it's so practical and it's something that every single one of us, regardless of where we're at in life, we have to practice. I love the phrase you used, practicing forgiveness, because it's a discipline, to be honest. Um, I don't think forgiveness comes naturally to anyone. And so it, it is something that we have to work at. We have to be disciplined for. Um, so I think one very, very practical way that we can take steps towards forgiveness. Well, Jesus said it. He said, pray for your enemy. Um, he also said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And um, something I've learned is that it's impossible to retain feelings of anger or hatred or frustration for long towards someone if I'm praying for them. Now, when Jesus says pray for them, He's not saying like, oh, Lord, would you judge them right now? You know, <laughs> give them what, what they're due. No, when he says pray for them, he's speaking of like praying kingdom, blessing, shalom, justice, grace 
on them. Um, we're, we're praying God's favor on their life. And honestly, that is so hard to do. Like when I'm mad at someone who's hurt me or wronged me or betrayed me or stabbed me in the back, that's the last thing I want to do. And if I'm going to pray for him, it's going to be all the judgment stuff. But when I start to pray, Lord, would you just bless that person right now? God, would you give them, you know, open them, open doors to them. God, reveal yourself to them. God, speak to them through your spirit. God, give them favor. And I'm, I'm praying those kind of prayers on their life. It's like there's a shift that happens in my heart where the treasure is, my heart will be also. So if I'm investing treasure of those kind of kingdom prayers over someone, my heart gradually, imperceptibly, slowly starts to change towards that person. So I think that's a very, very practical way. Like every one of us can practice even today. Like that person who's really annoying you and bothering you and getting under your skin, just today, make it a practice, make it a choice. You know what? I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to pray blessing and favor on their life. I wonder about, we've been talking about forgiveness appropriately on the terms of like us offering it to others. We do what we can do. I wonder mm -hmm. if we flipped it a little bit to, 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 to scenarios where, you know, maybe I need forgiveness in my life from somebody, yeah. but maybe like, what if I'm not getting it? I've done the deed. Mm -hmm. I've admitted it. We've had it out and I'm just not being forgiven. Yeah. I, I guess in one sense, you just kind of have to say, well, like, you know, I pray that I receive it from God and maybe I'm not receiving it from you, but I don't know what else to do. But in some scenarios, you know, that could be very hurtful for someone too, who just experiences again. And I want to bracket this from questions of abuse and so on. I don't know how all that works in this kind of question, yeah. but for like the kind of day-to-day um, you know, -day stuff, sometimes we don't always give the forgiveness we need to give. Sometimes we don't always get it. Yeah. Either. Yeah. That's so true. Did you see that, that new Tom Hanks movie, um, Mr. Rogers? No, I didn't see it. So, yeah, yeah. The documentary, though. You know, uh, yeah. There's the documentary, but then there's also the the actual movie. You know that Tom Hanks plays. I highly recommend it. Now, my wife, she was like a huge Mr. Rogers fan, and so she's been wanting to see it for months. And I, I, I never was like to be honest. He kind of creeped me out as a little kid. <laughs> I was never really into the whole Mr. Rogers thing, but she was. And so finally, I'm like, oh, okay, let's watch the movie. So we rented it. We're in quarantine, you know, so not much else to do. And we, we, we go through this thing. It moved me. Like I highly recommend uh, anyone just watching that movie. It not only was it well acted, but the whole theme was forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it really at the core of the movie is a, a father who is, I won't give it away, but he's asking his son for forgiveness for some terrible things he had done in his past. And the son won't receive it. And so it kind of unpacks the agony of that, how painful that was for the father because he hadn't received forgiveness. Um, but it ends well. I'll just say that. It ends well. Um, and I, I think in those situations, that's going to be so hard because there, there have been people in my life, I've asked them for forgiveness. And sure, they might say, oh, yeah, I forgive you. But they actually, I know they haven't. And you just got to wait. You've got to pray. You've got to still be kind. It doesn't hurt to go back to that person and, and ask them for forgiveness again. Here's a real practical thing. Sometimes just writing that person a letter makes makes a big difference and not not a text not a, not even phone call but actually like taking time get a piece of paper and a pen and just write them out a letter and just say here's how i was wrong can you forgive me and you send that letter off and it may take a few weeks it may take a few months it may take years who knows um but there's something there's some something powerful i think about taking time to do that that, that can help bring about forgiveness but I recommend that movie. It, 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 I think it answers that question in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm.
so great. So um, we've been talking a little, uh, mostly about person-to-person -person forgiveness. And um, I was thinking about the language of forgiveness in the Bible it doesn't just apply to, you know, person to person, but applies to big groups of people, maybe even, you know, nations. Uh, how, like, what are your thoughts on how we forgive or practice forgiveness, um, accepting it or asking, you know, for forgiveness in, in larger groups, maybe as a church, mm. as a town, as a nation? Yeah, that's, wow, that's a loaded question. Um, I think there is a place, definitely, for the, the mutual communal act of asking forgiveness of another people group that have been wrong historically wronged historically um so an example um where nations collectively led by the government or whatever have gone to the jewish people and asked for forgiveness for the wrongs that were done in world war ii uh or where the pope has asked for forgiveness of those who have been abused or um again the jewish people come to mind um, so I do think there absolutely is a role in that, uh, for that. Um, I think there's a healing that can take place when one people group, even if it was their ancestors, even if it was great, 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 great grandpa that did something bad and we're pretty distant from that, but connected to it in some, you know, a deep way. I think that can open the door for healing and, and reconciliation. Now, something like that, it seems, might even involve something that's a little counterintuitive, like to a contemporary Western American type person, maybe like me, where it's like, I only want to be responsible for exactly things that I did. Yeah. I, I was to be part of a, of a forgiveness like that, um, receiving yeah. or offering it. It's almost like you'd have to take on a responsibility that's bigger than just your own single self. Right? I mean, isn't that what Jesus did, you know, on the cross? He he took upon himself a sin that, that wasn't his, generations of sin that wasn't his. Um, and, and there's hints of that even in the book of Exodus, where there's a line that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, understandably, where God is telling Moses his name, Exodus 32 or 34. And, you know, he says, I'm compassionate and I'm gracious and full of chesed and mercy and all, all these beautiful words. Um, but then he says, by no means, um, uh, forgiving the sin to the father's generation 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 and there's this implication there that when a, a person sins it actually is generational in a sense like there there is kind of this collective guilt that happens as years go on and there is a need i think in in cases to like say you know what this was the sin of my father and his father my mother and her mother and i can see it being passed on from generation to generation um, but I'm, I'm going to be the one to not only a forgive, but also call that out because forgiveness is partially that too, being honest. And I want to be the generation that puts an end to it. Mm. You know, so, so my dad was, a, was an alcoholic. Um, and man, just to see the effects of that, you know, on our family when I was growing up in middle school, like it was horrific. It was horrible. Um, but by God's grace, it's like, okay, in this generation now, as I'm a dad now, would put an end to that. We've we've called that out, um, and I think where sin loves to flourish is when it's passed on from generation to generation. And I think it takes a great deal of, like you said, Leah, just um, 
maturity and wisdom for a people group or an individual or a family to, to be honest about what's happened in the past, but also cast vision of redemption and hope and flourishing for the future. So I have a question about forgiveness that is related to just how we think about our, like, our current popular culture. So I'm, I'm thinking about the phrase cancel culture, which is basically, mm. I'm sure that, I'm sure the yeah. young ones know, but basically the idea, like yeah. if you make a misstep in a public way, especially a public way, then you can be canceled forever. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you are no longer, um, like in, I guess you're you're no longer able to have like the platform or dignity that you had, you know, prior to that mistake. Um, and so then there's all these kinds of arguments about who gets canceled and forever and who doesn't. Who needs yeah. to be kind of like slapped on the wrist and just set outside of of the community for a while. Right. <laughs> so all that yeah. to me is like it's not a very forgiving conversation. Right. Uh, how do you like? as a pastor, how do you talk about forgiveness in, in a time when we don't seem like, it doesn't seem very popular to forgive? Yeah, I know. It's really fascinating because kind of in this post-Christian era in which we live, where we've ab abandoned, you know, in many senses, Christian values, there's some that we've held onto, um, one being justice, um, the deep desire for justice. But what that has done is it's kind of outweighing forgiveness and grace. And yet what you see in scripture is that justice and grace, justice and love kind of live in this tension, right? You see both at the cross, the justice of God, the love of God, their intention. And in this era in which we've lived, we've kind of abandoned the grace and we've held on to the justice. So it's all about, man, we need to call out that person. We need to cancel that person. There's, we need justice in this area but it's not being counterbalanced with, with grace. And I think that's, that's the great tragedy. Now, sure, are there some cases where people need to be canceled? Okay, yeah, let, let's have those conversations. Let's be honest and real and speak the truth and love. But Jesus' culture, the culture that he had was truth and love. He wasn't afraid to call out the Pharisees and cancel them when he had to. You know, he called them a brood of vipers. Like he was pretty honest with them. But his version of canceling culture was canceling our sin on the cross. And, and forgiveness. And I mean, let's face it, there's no person alive that by the, the new metric of justice wouldn't be canceled today because we've all sinned, we've all messed up. And I think the further we've gotten as a culture away from this language of sin, um, we've gotten away from paradoxically the language of forgiveness and grace and how we're all mutually together in this, in this boat of humanity that is in desperate need of forgiveness. There was a there was a kind of a hard biblical and theological question I had from your lecture, Dom. Um, you started off the lecture with this harrowing parable that Jesus tells, right, about the, the guy who's forgiven this huge debt, but then who refuses to forgive another person a very small debt, and you bring it up again later in the lecture, too. The question that came out of this, and, and, and maybe you did answer it during the lecture, but you could amplify, or if you didn't, I think now is a good time to be put on the spot. That story seems to suggest pretty clearly that God is not going to forgive you if you don't forgive yeah. others. In fact, your behavior is in fact going to constrain God's own behavior yeah. as far as forgiveness is concerned. Do you think yeah. you love that literally? Oh my goodness. To be honest, Brian, um, I don't know the answer to that. 
um, it's one of those things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and explain away what Jesus said. You know, it's even in the Lord's Prayer: "Forgive us our sin, as we forgive those who, who for you know, you know forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us." So there's something to that. There, there is, and you're right in that um, in that parable that Jesus told. Um, he very clearly is not just implying, but teaching. Like, if we're if we're not living in a place of forgiveness, then what right do we have? to expect God or demand that God forgive us. Um, now that said, um, can we, can any of us forgive perfectly? No, I, I think all of us to some degree of people in our life, we need to keep on forgiving. And do I think then that God says, all right, I'm canceling you. I'm not going to forgive you. No. Cause I also think there's grace. So I don't know how that all balances out. It's like one of these things where there's a tension there. And I think Jesus kind of lets us live in that tension to show us this guys, this is a really, really important issue. This isn't something that's trivial to your faith or trivial to what it means to be my follower. This is actually vital. This is central. This is something you need. As Leah said, we need to practice. This is a daily thing. This is something that we need to go after with all of our heart. This is really the, the, the center of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining like a hard, sort of a hard scenario. I mean, maybe I'm just personal. Yeah. I'm thinking of myself like dying. And let's say I'm standing before God. And God mm -hmm. is like, and I'm like, Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it. And God's like, yeah. ah, 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 yeah, you. And then I get read to me this, this list of things. Yeah. And then I say to God, and then I say in this, in this thought experiment, I'm like, okay, you know what? I tried, I wanted to, but I just couldn't pull it off. It's not even possible. Like, you yeah. know, life was hard. I, you know, I know you've been there, but you know, and I'm trying to be like you, but you were perfect. And I wasn't. I ask you to forgive this, but it's like, now you're telling me I didn't forgive, you know? Mm. I, I don't know. It's, it's so strange because there's a part of me as a Christian that wants to say, no, God, of course, is going to overcome right. our darkest sins. And on the other hand, I think, why shouldn't I be on the hook as a human being in yeah. that moment? Like, shouldn't I have yeah. to pay in some way for that? I mean, I don't know if an eternal mm. hell is the way I would have to pay or if there's something else. And I don't know what that means, but it seems- I have to say, before we hear from pastor, I have to say, this is why something like- like purgatory makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes. So I yeah. throw that out there, and that was for Dr. Pella. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Pastor. Oh man, I, I yeah, you're right. That that thought experiment is dark. That's like a really <laughs> troubling scenario. Welcome to my life. And yeah, the brand of special right there. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think it's kind of it's good to like have that tension in us. Like, uh oh, like what if? Like, what if that's actually true? Like, what if Jesus was being literal in this case? Then I need to search my heart. And right now, like, it'd be a great moment. Like, anyone watching this, like, search our hearts. And is there something in our heart that we know isn't of God, that some bitterness, some toxic anger that we need to, to release and let go of and choose the path of forgiveness? Um, so I think that dark scenario can actually provoke some true... <laughs> repentance and soul searching yeah well you know that is i think it's in philippians is this the verse where paul says you know we have to work out our salvation through fear and trembling like yeah if, totally i might have that reference wrong people can look that up later but i think it's in philippians like mm -hmm. you know yep yep or is it ephesians where he says by grace you're saved not by works as anyone should boast 
Well, it's a very similar idea. And then, yeah, and then right after that, it talks about working out our own salvation. And it's like, again, there's this tension. Is it grace or works? Well, it's this incredible mixture of of both. Saved by grace for good works. Um, Book of James, you know, speaks into this tension too. This is why I love the Bible. It's why I love this theology class, because we're exploring the tensions. We're, we're, We're seeing that it's far easier to just go to an extreme theologically than to remain in the center of biblical tension. And I, I think part of education is learning how to live in this center where sure there's going to be some awkwardness. There's going to be some tension. There's going to be some uncertainty. There's going to be some paradoxes to our faith, but living in that place is I think a far more mature place to be a healthier place to be. And one that's going to push us to a place of like soul searching and growth. It's tension that makes us grow. Wow. Well, Pastor Dominic, I think that you pretty much summed up our hopes for the class and in that in that last little bit there because we certainly hope that students are learning and growing through that tension. And so I, I think that that's a great place to wrap up for the week. We know that there are, we could talk about forgiveness um, forever, our whole lives and not get to the end of it because it's one of those critical Christian Um, doctrines and a critical question for any Christian in any age. So um, we hope that for the students, for you all students, that this is just the beginning of this conversation for you. And um, we hope wherever you are, that you are safe and that you are uh, relatively comfortable and hopefully you're not having too many opportunities to have to practice forgiveness. (laughs) Yeah. Although I think quarantine may give us many opportunities to forgive. It's going to be legendary. <laughs> yeah. Who knows is going to come out of all of this for faith and for theology, you know, it's mm. going to, it's going to be, uh, these are, these are what a time to be alive in a sense. Mm. Yep. Well, see you all later. Bye. Theo. Thank you so much. Bye, You're welcome. See ya. Great to see you all. Bye-bye.